The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. to the hills, from where will my help come? The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Lord, your words are sweet to the taste, sweeter than honey. Let them be our daily meditation and our study. Give us ears to hear, for we marvel at your instruction. Train us in righteousness, grant us patience and persistence, and equip us for every good work. Inspire our faith and give us voices to proclaim your message. Guide our feet, keep us from every false way 
for you alone speak the words of life. Good morning, and welcome to our service of worship of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. I am the Reverend Megan LeClouse, and I am joined in leading worship this morning by my sister, Annie LeClouse, who leads our 20s and 30s, as well as Anderson and our congregational choir this morning, which features both members of our choir and our congregation of all ages, from young to old, and we are delighted to have them with us. We hope that you will stay after the service and join us in Old Buttonwood Hall for a time of fellowship, which is just out this door and down the hallway, and you will find Old Buttonwood Hall there. Pastor Barron is away on study leave right now, but he will be back next Sunday. There are a number of things to call your attention to on the back of the bulletin, including a 20s and 30s outing, an upcoming education opportunity, and more. Next Sunday, we will be having one joint service here at 11 o'clock to celebrate the 150th anniversary of this faith. There is information in your bulletin where you can learn more about it, and there are some opportunities that day to also learn about our wonderful faith and to celebrate its history. As a congregation, we celebrate joys together, and we also mourn losses together. And this week, we have actually had two deaths in the life of our congregation. John Whitmer passed away on Monday, and his service was yesterday. And I also need to announce the death of Jeannie Mezabov. That announcement has not gone out to the congregation yet. We are waiting for information on her service, and once the service information, once we have that, that email will go out. So let us pray to the Lord in remembrance of them. Lord, in whom we live and move and have our being, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We give thanks for the life of Sean and Jeannie, we thank you and praise you that in love you have sustained them all their life and have welcomed them into the more immediate presence of their Savior. Amen. I now invite Dee Sequeira up to share with us a minute for stewardship. Uh, for those of you who haven't had the pleasure to meet yet, I'm Dean Cicada, and you might be surprised to hear this given my impeccable accent, but I'm not origi originally from the United States. I'm from Brazil, and I moved to Philly in the fall of 2019 to start my PhD with the University of Pennsylvania. And already in my first week in Philly, I came to First Press uh, to see what it was like, and I loved it so much. I felt so welcome here that I kept coming. Uh, unfortunately, mere six months after, I, after my arrival, the pandemic hit, and I found myself moving back to uh, Brazil for what I thought would be only a few weeks, but turned out to be 16 months, so almost three times as long as um, I had been here in Philly. So one might have expected that during that time, my connections, the brief connections I had made here would have faded, 
Um, but actually the opposite of, uh, happened. So surprisingly, not only did they not fade, they actually grew stronger. Uh, the, the, uh, the community found a way to move the services uh, online and we were able to host a number of social events uh, virtually and uh, I was even able to take the new members class and become a member of the, of the church while being remote. So in spite of all those challenges, my faith grew stronger, largely due to the strength and uh, resilience of this community. And now a bit over a year after resuming the in-person services, uh, I'm very glad to see everyone in person again. It's uh, so invigorating to be able to see each other. But what the pandemic has shown me is that the strength and resilience of the community is not dependent on the convenience of physical proximity. Rather, it's a reflection of the sincerity of our commitment to God, to church, and to one another. And it is that commitment that we're invited to renew in this uh, stewardship pledge campaign that culminates in the Commitment Sunday about a month from now. And so as I look back and reflect on my own journey here at First Press, I find multiple reasons to pledge. Um, starting with giving being part of how we live our faith. And you know, I give also as a sign of gratitude for having found this community and as an expression of my commitment to helping sustain it um, into the future. As a student, I know that my contribution is modest, and yet I find it no less important, for my own experience has shown me that maybe those few resources is what's necessary for extending the boundaries of this community to one more person and to opening our arms to one more newcomer so that they might find here what I found when I moved to Philly in 2019, a community, a welcoming community in which my faith can grow and flourish. So thank you so much. Jesus calls us to enter the joy of discipleship, the joy of following in his way. But sin clings closely, and we struggle to respond fully to Christ's invitation. Let us seek God's forgiveness so that we may know more deeply the joy God intends. Please join me in our prayer of confession. From the least of us, the greatest Lord, we want to know you. We yearn to follow where you lead us. We need your guidance. But even as we listen for your direction, our voices compete for our attention, competing to suit our desires. Our thoughts drift so far from your truth that fables and fancies begin to seem real. Holy One, open our hearts and minds by your Spirit convince, rebuke, and encourage us as only you can. Teach, correct, and inspire us in the ways of your salvation. Amen.
we cry out, God helps us without delay. Do not lose heart, for the Lord forgives our iniquity and remembers our sin no more. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
Our first lesson comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound teaching, but having their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, be sober in everything, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Our second lesson comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Our third reading this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis, in the 32nd chapter. That same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, 
but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life is preserved. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's that time of year again, the time when we talk about giving, stewardship season. We got to hear from Crystal last week and Guy this week about why they give to our congregation, and we'll hear from others in the upcoming weeks. I knew stewardship would be the topic of my sermon today before I had actually gone to look at the lectionary scriptures for this week. I had an idea of a sermon I might want to give. We, knew, we know that the Bible calls us to give and to live from a place of generosity. At the same time, understanding exactly what it looks like to live and give as Christians in the United States in 2022 is incredibly challenging and something I believe that we should be in continual conversation with throughout our lives. It's something that given the privilege privileged position in the world that many of us are in, we should probably wrestle with on a regular basis. And I imagine many of us do. That wrestling can be hard, it can be painful and uncomfortable, and ultimately, it can leave us with a blessing. I had this idea, but I knew that this sermon wouldn't be particularly easy to write or to preach, and could be a message that some of us may not want to hear. So before I looked at the scriptures, I started coming up with a few other ideas I might want to talk about, and decided that when I went and read the lectionary text, that would help me know what I should preach. Maybe I would find something else there, something that wouldn't be quite so challenging. Well, 
upon opening the scriptures, I was reminded that God does have a sense of humor, because when I looked at the text for our Hebrew scripture for today, what did I find but the story of Jacob wrestling with a messenger of God all night long? Wrestling, struggling with his understanding of God and what it meant for him to follow God. Hmm, maybe I'm not going to get out of preaching this sermon, not getting saved by the scripture. Well then, the next step was to look for a quote for the back of the bulletin. Occasionally when I'm preaching, there's a quote that comes to me right off, something that I remember. But more often, I find one by turning to Google. Some weeks, I spend quite a while looking for something that speaks to me or the sermon and eventually settle on something that seems okay. Yeah, that's not what happened this week. I don't remember what my exact search terms were, but it didn't take me long at all, probably like less than a minute, to come up with this quote from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, the beginning of which is on the back of the bulletin. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Lewis goes on in the full quote to write, If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Whoa, Lewis. I mean, I think I probably agree, but I wasn't planning to go quite that far or be quite that blunt. But when this all happens, when this is your scripture and this quote comes up, it seems like God is telling me that this is a sermon that is meant to be for today. So here we are ready to talk about wrestling with our questions about giving, what it means to be a faithful disciple of Jesus in 2022. I imagine if we are honest, many of us have the same questions. How much should I give? Am I giving enough? Where should I give to? How should I divide up the amount I give, or should I give it all to one place? Should I feel guilty for treating myself to something nice when I know there are so many people who have so little? How literal was Jesus being when he said, if you have two coats and someone has none, you should give one away? How much research should I do into how the money I have given is being used? Should I feel bad if I feel too tired to figure all of this out? I'm just going to tell you now that I don't have the answers to these questions. Though scripture does have a lot to say about money, giving, and stuff. And we do have a challenging, mysterious, and beautiful text that can help us explore how we can lean into these tensions that these questions can create. A story that finds Jacob left limping, and blessed, and given a new name that translates, one who strives with God. The scripture is a bit vague on who this man Jacob wrestles with all night is. 
but it is often considered a messenger of God or an angel. Dr. Paul Escamilla writes that the examples we find of angels or God's messengers in scripture are not remotely dainty, saying we might do better to think of angels as nightclub bouncers, roughnecks, or heavy equipment operators. He writes, they are God's professional movers. They never leave a scene without having changed people, moving them from here to there, from one way of looking at the world to another. Your life was moving in this direction before. Now you're going to be heading a different way. Jacob thought his life was on the up and up. He hadn't let anyone get in his way and had even stolen his twin brother's birthright, getting the blessing from his father. But then he encounters this being with who he wrestles all night. There are different ways that people look at this wrestling. Carolyn Brown writes that children will be invited into this text because a God who will wrestle is a God who will meet them on their own turf, and that is attractive. A God who will wrestle is also strong, active, and willing to get dirty. Another plus. And since this particular match sounds as if it were between friendly rivals, rather, between, rather than between enemies fighting to the death, God must be willing to wrestle with friends like Jacob and like us. This is true. I believe God will wrestle with us and with our questions. Others write that Jacob's ego may have been getting a bit inflated and that this match gave him a dose of humility. I agree with Brown that it doesn't seem like a match to the death, that it may be between friendly rivals, but Jacob does walk away forever changed. And I agree that when, that when we wrestle with our own faith and what it means for our lives, we can walk away forever changed too. Escamilla continues, in some ways, to be part of the Christian community is to choose a life of extending the history of Israel, a history of struggling with God. It is to choose a life in which we raise questions, wrestle with doubt, with trust, with lifestyle, and with sacrifices called for by compassion or justice. He is saying that to be Christian is about choosing to enter into this tension, to struggle and wrestle with what living out our faith each and every day looks like. All of this is often made harder by the messages that we receive from the world around us. The reading from 2 Timothy speaks into this conversation as well reminding us that scripture, including the story of Jacob, is useful for teaching and training us. There is a lot in scripture about money and about giving. In Jesus' stories and teachings, the poor and marginalized are often lifted up, forgiving from what little they have without much internal debate while the wealthy and powerful are called out for getting caught up in the letter of the law when it comes to how they relate to their stuff. 
what they need to achieve in order to achieve salvation, as opposed to thinking about what it means to care for one another. Second Timothy also goes on to talk about us wandering away to myths. I want to tread carefully here and am not trying to make any blanket statements. But working with students at Penn, I see those myths take on life in mysterious and sometimes damaging ways. A few years ago, a student who had just graduated came to talk with me. They were excited because they had just received a job offer doing research at one of our hospitals, but they were concerned about the salary that they had been offered. I don't think they told me what this exact salary was, but what I do know is that it was less than six figures. And I know this because the student continued on to say that they were concerned because they had heard and been told that if you weren't making at least six figures, you would be living paycheck to paycheck. I realize that for each of us, we have different expenses that we face in our lives. And there are plenty of Penn students who do have that kind of starting offer or higher. But there are plenty of myths like the one the student had heard and believed that tickle our ears today. Myths that tell us to acquire, not to give away. There are myths that paint a narrow view of what a good, typically good interpreted as successful life looks like. And those myths sometimes are very, very different than what we see presented to us in scripture. And that is part of what makes wrestling with these questions so hard, is that in choosing to follow God, we often end up pushing against the trends of our own society. Second Timothy says that we need to convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. Patience means being gentle with ourselves and each other as we figure all of this out. Because there aren't simple answers. It means acknowledging that this is a lifelong journey, and one during which we will continue to try and continue to learn. Reverend John Worcester wrote a commentary for today in which he says, these are the marks of faith. Prayer, worship, study, service, and giving. These are the things to practice with persistence. These are the things to do again and again and again. When the church is at its best, pointed in the right direction, it gives us an opportunity to grow in prayer, grow in worship, and grow in study, and grow in service, and grow in giving. We grow in these things by practice, practice, practice. A similar idea showed up as I was reading my devotional this morning, which comes from Richard Rohr and the Center for Action and Contemplation. They talked about one of the center's core principles, one that may feel a little challenging to some of us Presbyterians who like to think, but it says, we do not think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into a new way of thinking. 
The point of this sermon isn't just to say that you should give more, give or give more to the church next year, though stewardship pledges will be coming out soon. But to say that this conversation, how we relate to what we have and what we give, is a big conversation. And to me, an essential part of a life of discipleship. It's also not an easy one, and doesn't have a little rule book that comes with it for us to follow. And honestly, some of the rules that might exist in the Bible probably make us a little uncomfortable. They can make me uncomfortable. And so we struggle with them. And that is a good thing. It's part of what animates our faith. It's also true that like Jacob at the end of his wrestling, that when we give, we are often blessed. Not in the add another point towards your good deed score kind of way, but in being connected to one another as all children of God kind of way. By wanting to use what we have to further the work of God's kingdom. And in being free of being owned by our possessions. In these ways, we can be blessed in beautiful ways. I don't know the answer to all the questions that we have about giving and how to live faithful lives. But I do know that I want to keep wrestling, to keep struggling, to keep practicing, and hopefully in practicing, live myself in, into new ways of thinking that are closer to God's ways of thinking. And I hope that you want this too, and that we can do this together. If we do, I think we will find that there is blessing in our wrestling. Amen.
let us affirm together what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. With gratitude for God's faithfulness and with thanksgiving for all that we have received, let us bring our gifts to God. And as a reminder, um, there are cards in your pews for options of giving online.
merciful God, powerful and wonderful, eternally present and graciously close. We are grateful for what you have given us in Jesus Christ, life and love without end. Prompted by your spirit and encouraged by your faithfulness, we lift to you the cares and concerns of our hearts, the burdens and the worries of our lives. We pray that the sick would be healed, that the broken would be mended, that the mournful would be comforted. We pray that warriors would yield to peace, that leaders would gain wisdom, that the forsaken would be gathered in. We pray that the sorrowful would be consoled, that the poor would be lifted up, that the anxious would be released. We pray for children in their growing and for youth in their seeking. We pray for those making new starts and for those nearing a journey's end. We pray for those facing hard choices and for those enduring painful consequences. We pray for those filled with bitterness and for those who are just empty. We pray that your church might claim its potential that the body of Christ might be strengthened by its many parts, that the work of ministry might be done with joy and thanksgiving. We pray for the courage to follow Jesus, for the faith to trust your promises to us, for the vision to see your kingdom among us even now. We pray for all that you would have us pray. We pray for those for whom no one prays, we pray all of these things in the name of the one ceaselessly praying for us, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Trusting in Christ, we offer together the prayer he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Bible hymn today had one of my favorite clauses from a hymn. Words of challenge said with care. That's what I think God gives to us in Scripture. Words of challenge said with care. Words that invite us to wrestle together as we go out into the world to be faithful disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go, go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the love of God, and with the communion of the Holy Spirit, this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.